Well, welcome to the 16th episode of All Things Crypto, an Elk Finance podcast. I'm Shiloh, also known as LT Snake Pliskin. And today we're discussing crypto, health, and wellness uh, with our special guest uh, from Galvin, uh, the CEO of Galvin, Dr. Adam Sharp, MD. So welcome. Thanks. Glad to be here. Yeah. And, and before we jump into this, because it's a really interesting topic for, for a lot of us, and especially um, for those of us who, who have some, uh, you know, association with the medical field, um, I got to mention that we're, we're not financial advisors, and this is not financial advice. Um, if you're looking for financial advice, you know, find a licensed advisor. Um, we talk about a lot of crazy things on here. So, you know, gotta, gotta pick and choose. Um, yeah, so uh, I guess the first thing, uh, to ask is is uh, what inspires uh, you know a, a medical doctor to get into uh, the Web three environment? Yeah, well, great question. Um, so as you mentioned, so I'm an emergency physician. Uh, have uh, practiced emergency medicine, depending on how you quantify it, ten to twelve years to fifteen years if you include training and whatnot. Um, and you know, I, I'll tell you a little bit about my backstory. Hopefully, this isn't too boring for everyone, but um, I, I was the first person to go into medicine in my family. Um, and, uh, and so I was excited about it. My best friend's dad was a doctor. That was kind of my closest. And I'd been to the doctor or that was about, you know, the extent of my experience and um, really was excited about going to medicine and did a bunch of work to know that that was what I want to do. And my intentions were to go and practice medicine and, and become a good doctor and, and take care of patients, which is so important for, for a lot of reasons. Um, as I got into my training program, we, we practiced, we, I was trained in, uh, at two hospitals. One was a county hospital and one was a community hospital. And the same faculty taught at both hospitals. And it was amazing how different the medicine was that was practiced. Mm. Literally, these, these hospitals were a mile apart, very similar patient populations in some regards. Um, and I thought when I was training, I was like, boy, why, why is this so different? We're same faculty, same area, same city. Why is the medicine so different um, based on the system? And that led me to do um, have interest in research and science, which is supposed to be objective assessment of what works, right? Like, isn't medical science supposed to help us know what we should do? And, and if we know what we should do, then why would medicine be practiced so differently at these two hospitals? Um, and so I went on to do, uh, uh, which was, it's changed a little bit, but something called the Robert Wood Johnson Clinical Scholars Program got a, a master's in health and healthcare research at the University of Michigan. And then as I'd been trained in research, the research itself shows most people don't read it and do anything about it. So there's right. this oft quoted, there's this paper that is quoted by a ton of people that it takes 15 years, uh, or I, I think it's 17 years for about 15% of research to get to the bedside. Um, wow. That's not perfect. That's very, there's things that, you know, have been expedited. But the reality is, is that we know far more than we do in medicine. So that led me to come out to an integrated health system in California where I've worked for the last almost decade now until I just came over a couple months ago to, to Galvin um, because we had incentives to actually help keep the people healthy. It's different than most fee-for-service models in, in the US health system, um, which aren't bad. It's just that the way that the incentives work are to do things like do surgery or do procedures or do more medicine. And it's actually, you rarely there's there's attempts at policies to try and change to actually get um better patient outcomes which are rewarded which is what everybody wants um so that's what got me out here and then the pandemic hit and 
nobody knew what to trust. It was hard to know. There were literally millions of articles in the National Library of Medicine on, on COVID, but from all sorts of perspectives, very oh yeah. News. And um, and as I saw that, and and my mission was really to just provide the clinical training that I had with the research training to help people get the outcomes that they wanted. Um, I think that's what the web three and the blockchain presents really amazing opportunities in that space for people to trust the information they're getting to be far more transparent than the current health system offers. Um, so that people can be truly informed about everything from the risks and benefits of what's going to happen to them to the costs, frankly, which have grown out of control. If in oh, the United yeah. States um, we're spending $8.3 trillion in healthcare um, a year, it's just not sustainable. And, and we know that based on their own estimates that maybe up to close to a trillion dollars of that's just pure waste. So Anyway, um, that's longer than I should have uh, gone on about myself, but that's that's been my path through medicine to research to the blockchain. And I think um, the DSI movement where um, the decentralized ownership and transparency of, of outcomes and uh, information, as well as incentives to get people to do healthy things. We'll talk a little bit more about that the, the move to earn space or move and earn, as we like to say, is awesome because we all know we should be exercising, but frankly, sure. sometimes we need a little motivation. So we're really that, that intros into why I came to Galvin, which is really just to to try and be a decentralized. Um, here's the summary of what I've done and what I hope. Um, as a physician and a researcher, my family and friends call me all the time to ask questions. And and when my family has been sick and in some of the worst times of my life, I feel like because of that training and education, I've been able to make informed decisions that were. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't mean that it, the best decisions always have the best outcomes, but at least I felt comfortable with what I was doing. And I think everybody should feel that way. Everybody should feel confident that they have all the information they need and they have all the resources they need to really get the best care that they want. And that's what we're trying to help facilitate. Cool. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. And it's, you know, uh, such a such a different path to come from, you know, to connect that without your story, you know, to come from a medical background and then uh, go into blockchain. Um, and, and I'm with you there, too. I mean, I'm a family counselor by training, um, you know, and uh, so I, I've made the move, uh, you know, to to crypto. And of course, you know, I'm still doing uh, both at some times, but uh, you know, it, it's it's kind of funny how it, it brings really uh, everyone in um, in terms of, uh, you know, DeFi blockchain uh, brings everyone in to collaborate. And you can see it as a potential solution for a lot of different problem areas in our system. And, uh, you know, and, and I, I, I don't see all of the flaws um, that that are necessarily present in in the American healthcare system as I'm actually Canadian. Um, so it's slightly better in some ways, no, no insult, but I mean, there's definite, uh, you know, ways in general that, that people, um, could have more access to their own, uh, information, uh, and how we could improve, you know, outcomes by just giving people the resources and motivation to make healthy choices, um, in, in a variety of situations. So I guess that brings us to kind of, uh, the next question here, um, what does the blockchain have to do with health and wellness? Yeah, so it's a really good question. And a lot, I get this question a lot. Um, and I guess I want to start with the blockchain doesn't replace physicians and hospitals and medical procedures that are necessary yeah. for given diagnosis. 
right? Yeah, so Binance can't do surgery. Yeah, that's right. That <laughs> correct. So, so there's no question that um, there's some aspects of healthcare, U.S., Canadian, international, whatever it might be, that the blockchain doesn't solve. And and here's a few examples. If you live in a place where you don't have access to certain physicians or certain healthcare, the blockchain won't solve that. Now. There are some exceptions, telehealth, for example, mm-hmm. um, you know, rewarding people for doing things so that it might improve their opportunity to be able to use their digital awards to get certain services. Sure, that that part, yes, there's a small, there's a part of a solution, but sure. um, but where I see, you know, Web three and the blockchain really um, having major advantages in the healthcare and wellness space is is that it doesn't get filtered through an organization or a group mm-hmm. that has their own bias. Now we, mm-hmm. we all have it. It, it, even if not nefarious or, or, or malintended, um, it's just the reality of the fact. And, and so I think that's where the transparency and, um, and the decentralized format of the blockchain is, is really one of its primary advantages. In addition to the fact that we now have digital rewards that we'll talk a little bit about with Galvin, that can help in, so incentivize people to do things Sometimes they may not know what to do. Sometimes we know and just need a little uh, oh, sure. uh, to, to make those decisions and to do those things. And I think that's where um, the blockchain is, is really advantageous. Yeah, yeah, totally. Just a, an open resource. Uh, you know, the transparency of it all and accessibility is something that is, you know, really available with a decentralized web. And yeah, I, I, interesting points there about like, uh, giving people uh, some motivation through, you know, what we'd call positive reinforcement, right? Uh, Motivating them to make those choices that they know are healthy. They know they got to drink more water. They know they got to go for a walk. Um, But then how do you um, traditionally incentivize that? Uh, You know, because as we know uh, from all of the research, people are terrible at uh, making choices that don't result in short-term gains. <laughs> and, and the long-term gains are so difficult for us. You know, uh, like like the, um, it all holds true, that study with the, the kids in the in the marshmallow, right? Or the cookie where, where you know, they, if I- And you if wait you for your second marshmallow or are you going to eat yeah. the one? Yeah. No, a, gotta, eat the, right. gotta eat the first. <laughs> Yeah, so so um, unlikely to eat uh, to wait to get two marshmallows, and that's all of us, I think, you know, and two, maybe more than two marshmallows, uh, you know, in my case. Um, but uh, yeah, so I guess that kind of leads into Galvin. Tell me a little bit about about that. Yeah, so so we we have a very ambitious mission. Um, the the short version is is that we really hope to. Um, there's a lot of use cases, but the three primary and principal things that we're trying to work on right now are number one, um, it, to motivate people um, to be able to, to do things. And, and we'll talk about that, but through an exercise um, application where we can reward people in a move and earn um, opportunity. So um, essentially we know there's really good data about people. And again, as a researcher, I'm a little more uh, critical of the data, but if you get 150 minutes a week and people are like, why 150 minutes? Wouldn't more be better? Probably, but there is there is a too much uh, realm out there sure. too. But what's yeah. been studies at 150 minutes, if you, get, if you get 150 minutes a week, you get about 30 minutes a day, that really has huge health benefits. And, and we can track that. Most 
not everyone, but most people now have some version of a wearable or at least can mm-hmm. a wearable and we can proof of action. We can actually track your heart rate. You get your mm-hmm. heart rate in that exercise rate for a time. So we want to motivate people through our initial offering, which should be available soon. We're still working on the beta version, but where we can plug into your wearables and reward you with digital currency. So like you said, move that instead of waiting a year to say, Hey, I've got more energy. I'm more fit. I feel better than I did a year ago. It's a more direct and immediate reward that helps people mm-hmm. to do what we already know. Everybody knows they should be exercising. I don't think sure. news breaking, but the motivation and the opportunity with digital rewards to be able to reward people is, is novel in blockchain. So motivate is one thing. The other is, is to help people um, to empower them. And I say empower, um, uh, there's a couple different ways that we plan to do that. So um, one of our partners that we are in the process of working with right now is, is Canary Voice Recognition. We know that mental health right now is at an all-time worst, as, a, as you know that through your own professional training. Uh, COVID and the pandemic and everything it has brought has made that worse based on mm-hmm. what we're seeing for everyone. Um, there's, uh, so we, this company, and again, um, not to let too much out of the box, but uh, it's really good. Every, this is one from my background. Um, people don't really understand the pros and cons of even how a physician makes a diagnosis. It's not perfect. Mm-hmm. Some diagnoses yeah. are spot on. Um, sometimes it's a gray area and we're not sure. What we do know is we have very good surveys to look at anxiety and the GAD7. Mm-hmm. GAD, yeah. Yeah, GAD7 is what, what is typically used in a primary care setting to assess for anxiety. Um, and the PHQ-9, which is typically used um, to assess for depression in the primary care setting. Um, those are things that uh, typically people have to go to a clinical setting and talk to a doctor in order to, to get. Yeah. Um, we know that every, depending on how often you go see the doctor, um, those are important things and those should continue to be done. So I'm not saying we replace those, but we think that through voice recognition that can identify with those types of surveys um, based on open-ended questions can help people to actually self-assess. So yeah. to be at home and, and be able to reward them for checking in and looking after their own mental health and wellness. Um, so using novel tools like voice recognition to assess your mood um, and to assess um, your stress levels uh, and your energy levels, which are the first three things that we're going to work with. There's a lot of other possibilities, but those are the first mm-hmm. ones we're going to focus yeah. on. We think that's great. Again, back to using digital currency, digital rewards in order to motivate people to check in with themselves using medical science and tools that we know work um, so that they know where their baseline is. And so that's, that's, that's the second one is to empower people with new tools for self-assessment and self-awareness and, and be able to reward them for taking care of that. And then the last one is, you know, I would say is to inform people and there's, it's not that there's not infinite information out there for people to go and find, Often we don't know which information is relevant. We don't know how right. to track which information we have. So that's part of where we hope to offer a personalized health record where we can people can be given tailored information. Often, um, the, I've spent the last 10 years in trying to present information in a way to physicians and the health system to try and make the right decision for patients. Really what we hope to do with Galvin is to present it right to, to people and to patients. Mm-hmm. So they come in informed. So they have informed decisions. Often as a physician, people come in and they don't even know what to ask me. Right. And they ask the wrong questions and they, they're well-intended, but I'm 
I'm thinking, I don't want them to think I don't care about their question, but they, they're not asking me the right question. They're asking right. me, their physician, things that are for other, other people. And that's where, sure. that's where our last in, in, in form, we hope to be in the learn and earn space. So we would mm-hmm. love to be able to reward people with digital rewards who are willing to learn about hypertension if they have high blood pressure or diabetes if they're borderline diabetic or pick your condition where we can present objective information, tell them the pros and cons, tell them the recommended medications, the risks and benefits of them, the costs of them. So we're not there yet, but in my Mm -hmm. vision of what Galvin could be, it's a community where really, again, we're decentralized, node owners, which are going to be decentralized. We're truly moving as the CEO of a company that truly wants to be decentralized and truly the form of a doubt. I hope to get myself out of the way so that this can be run by the sure. people. Um, but obviously it has to start somewhere. And so our vision is to be the health and wellness blockchain where these types of trans- transactions can be owned by the people, observed by the people and done in a way that we can incentivize healthy actions and inform people to actually make make the best decisions that are that are up to them as they interact with physicians, as they interact with the health system, wherever they might live. Yeah. And, and it sounds like, you know, uh, the there's certain valuable pieces here, like having, you know, certain people um, like yourself looking at what information is coming in, what's what's published within there, um, what's, you know, scientifically accurate and what's not. A lot of like, um, oh, I'm going to go on this GeoCities looking website and it's going to tell me about uh, these your remedies that may not be <laughs> the most, uh, you know, healthy or sustainable. So it's kind of seems to be uh, combining that open source piece uh, with um, directed by professionals who who kind of know, um, you know, the research and are, are having uh, at least able to find the relevant academic sources and pre- present them directly to the user in a, in a way that they can understand. Yeah. I think that that's ex- well stated, and I think what we are trying to do, and again, this is a, a future state, but wouldn't it be nice in the same way that Web 2.0, we can get on and start to search for something and it comes up? Yeah. If, you, if we got tailored information to us that wasn't filtered through someone who might have a really strong financial incentive <laughs> based on the decision we make, right? And, right. and I, don't, I don't think that those, again, back to, it's not that people are nefarious, but it, it's just the reality of the system. Mm. It's, I mean, it's capitalism and how it works, right? It's profit above all. So it is. And, and, and so it's, I think this is, uh, that's where really what we're trying to do and really the blockchain and web 3.0, I hope I'll say this, honestly, like we want health and transparency and wellness to win. And yeah, we yeah. want to work with others that are, I, I think, you know, that shouldn't be a competition. There shouldn't be winners and losers in that everybody, this is my own. Um, maybe a little bit uh, too ambitious perspective is, is that like, tell me the person that doesn't deserve to get be as healthy as another person. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that just doesn't, that, that, that's back to, again, let's get the system, let's get the incentives out of the way so that people can actually know what's available. And, and there's so many examples, I won't go into them, but I think even for places, because we hope to be an international company, even in places where they may not have access to certain things, it would at least be good to know what things have evidence that they really need and what other stuff, because there's a lot of stuff that's getting done in the United States, which is where my perspective comes from, 
that frankly could be done away with and we don't need it to come back. And, and I think knowing the difference, if you're in, in a situation where access is key, um, knowing when it's worth it to move or travel to get the care that you need and when it's probably not gonna benefit you, I think is at least a place to start until we can begin to get access to everybody. Well, even uh, as you mentioned before, taking like, you know, 15 to 17 years for stuff to uh, filter out and become part of the the general knowledge is is too long, especially when that information exists elsewhere uh, and can be used to supplement people's uh, knowledge. So, and I think, you know, that again leads into kind of um, the the next piece here. And, And we've talked about a few of them. But, you know, given your unique perspective as, as an emergency room physician, um, what, what are some problems uh, with, like, the current health system, let's say, in the United States um, or, or in general, internationally, that, that you really firmly think uh, the blockchain can, can kind of directly address? Yeah, I honestly, the, the part that I think is the number one thing is transparency. Mm. Um, whether in the United States or Canada or internationally elsewhere, the reality is um, I think we've gone through a recent period of time where it's hard to know who to trust. Speaking frankly, I'm not sure how this has been addressed internationally, but in the United States, often healthcare decisions were based upon political affiliation more so than (laughs) actual medical information. And that should never be the case. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, that that that's where we've erred, and that's where I think um, the transparency of the blockchain in Web 3.0, when done right, um, is is really a major advantage. And that's true for everything. Like, and, and not just like what I've, I'm talking about is to we're trying we're really trying to be world changers and flip the model of healthcare instead of going to a centralized health system and physicians and 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 the government or payers who are taking care of it to make the decisions to people and mo- directly to them. I think th- there's a lot of really good reasons why we should do that. Um, and and on the flip side, I think there's a lot of good uses within the traditional health system for people to use Web 3.0 themselves. Mm-hmm. Let me give you a simple example. I recently left my position as a partner in a giant you know, physician group and, where, um, and so moved. And as we were transitioning with insurance, um, uh, took our insurance with us. Now we had paid for our insurance, but when we went to pick up my daughter's medication, they said that we weren't in there. And my wife's like, Adam, what it says, and we're not in there. I'm like, well, I don't know what to tell you. I can see that I paid for it two weeks ago. And I look and it says that seven to 10 business days are required before they will actually show up. Now in the world we live in, who thinks that it is adequate to have to wait seven to 10 business days for a transaction that we has already been confirmed, already been done. Oh yeah, it's centralized. It's there. It's yeah, it's in it's the system. There. Everybody knows it's, it's, just... it's not in the system. Yeah. And, and we're talking about healthcare. We're talking about a medic. In this case, this is a cancer medication for my daughter. Mm-hmm. Administrative inefficiencies are absolutely unacceptable when they prevent people from getting the care that they need. Oh, for sure. And we're past the point of somebody, you know, mailing it to somebody and somebody else typing it on a typewriter and mailing it to someone else and putting it in the file. It's it's, it's way past that. There's no excuse. So this, I think that is where beyond what we're planning to do, because like I said, we, um, we, we also have a telehealth option that I didn't Mm -hmm. mention before, but the reality is, is like, that's, 
that's not unique to the blockchain. That's something sure. that's on or off. Oh, but, yeah. But the blockchain has the ability to have people trust transactions and have them happen quickly and not need this administrative centralized bureaucracy slow things down in a way that frankly is not to anyone's interest, unless mm -hmm. you're part of that. Then maybe those, <laughs> maybe those jobs change. Maybe there's some profit, yeah. Yeah, but but in reality, I think um, I think that wasn't why it was created. And, and I think that um, in my experience, um, in the health systems, people are trying to do the right thing. It's just that for whatever reason, sometimes momentum makes it challenging. Yeah. And I think that, so there's, there's so many applications and, and I'll, here's another one that I love as a, for, as a researcher, once people have decentralized control, of their health information and are mm -hmm. informed, um, the biomedical statistics and the science is actually relatively simple. You can plug and play a lot of things. And so I love to imagine a future state where people can come and they don't know who they are. They just know that they might see, for example, that they're a 45 year old male somewhere, um, mm -hmm. but that doesn't tell them who it is. And people can, can um, organize themselves in groups that they trust. Oh, sure. And then they can talk and, and coordinate amongst themselves. So let's give an example. Say you and I both have the same condition and it's unknown as of right now, whether or not taking a medication is going to really help that or not. Maybe the risks outweigh the benefits. We don't know. That's typically we rely upon pharmaceutical companies to do that research. Well, pharmaceutical companies, well-intended as they are. Little biased. Yeah. Little biased, right? Like huge bias. And, and that's just, that's, that doesn't mean they're bad. It just means that's mm -hmm. their perspective. And we might not trust the information that comes out of them, even if it's accurate, because we don't trust that, they can overcome their financial bias and tell us the truth if the medication didn't work. And we do know, you know, that that pharmaceutical companies are have been known in the past to reconduct trials until they get the statistics for that specific trial that they would qualify for that p-value for that statistical significance to show efficacy. You know, so in the past, it's difficult. Even with regulations, people don't trust it. And and you see the distance from science in society right now, which, you know, was probably beyond the scope of this podcast. But <laughs> yeah. So there's, you gave a few examples, there's ample examples of how allowing someone with a very strong self-interest to conduct the trials may not give the evidence and actually answer the questions that we want. And the other part is, is I think people should be more involved. We know that they're trying to do this, but people should be more involved in what's the outcome that you actually care about. What outcome, what are you trying to achieve by taking this medicine? Here's an example, blood pressure. Nobody really cares what the number of the blood pressure is. What we care about is that that number is associated with whether or not I'm gonna have a heart attack or mm -hmm. a stroke or kidney problems or other cardiovascular problems. And so it's not so much this, what we call a surrogate marker or this in between like, what's your blood pressure? What we care about is if you have a heart attack or these other things. Right. So the outcome. Yes, the outcome. So to have patients involved with organizing this and then to have companies or even pharmaceutical companies or different people come to them and plug in in a way that they control and they have as much or more say than those that are that are organizing it. I think it, it flips the model in a way that's mm -hmm. in um, favor. Little bottom up. Yeah. Correct. And so I think there's a, a world where we can say, hey, we can create our own information. You're going to you decided that you're going to take this medicine. I decided that I'm not. Let's just let's just follow our groups for 30, 60, 90 days, sure. a year, whatever the timeline is we think we need to follow. And then let's look and see who did better. If it's the same, 
then why would I go take the medicine if we're the same? If it's right. better because I took the medicine, but terrible risk factors, but and I don't want to take those risks, then at least I'm informed. So I think that's where the the DSI movement of bringing science to the people in an objective, transparent way where you can't manipulate the numbers um, for your own potential bias um, is really a, a huge space in Web3 blockchain technology with, with medical science. Well, and given the transparency, I imagine how awesome it would be to get that data that's already anonymized, you know, uh, to be able to run those numbers. And you see a study that's run, uh, you don't have to, you know, ask them for their numbers and how they ran their study. You can just go to the blockchain, get those, you know, those samples, run it yourself, do your own modeling and uh, with the same data and, and really double check it. Um, I think and 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 those different combinations for people who wouldn't have the ability or resources to run uh, such a thing, you know, so it really opens up that, uh, you know, the accessibility of research in general. Um, which I think is very cool. Yeah, so. for sure. I, I think huge opportunities. And I'll say one thing about people worry about data security. And I think um, the blockchain's not foolproof. There could be data breaches. Sure. Now, that being said, the question is, is do you trust someone else? Yeah. And, um, and the current status of the way information is stored or the blockchain and yourself and how you would plan to use your own information. I think again, it's back to weighing the risks and the benefits. And there is there are very strong benefits to moving to a web free, um, own your own health information. I mean, it, the health information factor is one that's really interesting. And and in the United States, they talk about this HIPAA law. And um, honestly, most people don't understand why that law was created and and why it's frankly irrelevant for most questions. But the, the bottom line is, is that law was created so that someone else couldn't use their your data to do something that you didn't want them to use it. Right. It's not created so that you can't use your data to do whatever you want. I mean, right. It's yours. That everybody agrees that your health information is yours, but the number of gates and barriers to get it and move it oh, yeah. efficiently um, have been pretty substantial in the past. And I think that's where, again, that's another solution that Web3 and, and uh, the blockchain, I think, um, poses some pretty great advantages. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I, I think, and, and plus you're trusting, you know, centralized entities with your information. Leaks happen all the time. It's not like, you know, uh, yeah. at least this way, it would be kind of a, a decentralized uh, format that's, that's, you would have immediate access and it would be, you know, ideally anonymized. So um, absolutely. Um, and, and I guess, so that's, those are some, some positives about what the blockchain I think can do for, for health and wellness and the whole system. Um, what, what do you think some, some of the negative effects are that, you know, crypto and the blockchain in general have had on our health? And I mean, there's some physical factors and probably, and, and some mental ones too, right? I mean, as we all have seen. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's a really good question is that, um, especially as we hope to bring with Galvin, like the pros oh, and cons, yeah. benefits of everything. Um, you know, the hard part is, is we're new. Health and wellness is, is new. Um, when it sure. gets to, to healthcare, if, if you're healthy, um, I think the risks are low. The reality is, is we know for people who have chronic illnesses and new problems, there's a lot of things to be worked out. Um, and there's a lot of learning to be had. And so we will still be, I see a, future state where we're much less reliant upon centralized systems, mm -hmm. but we still need them. 
yep. where I live, I still need insurance in order to be assured that I can sure. get the healthcare that I need, that my family can get the healthcare that I need. So we're still dependent upon that system um, <laughs> with its strengths and limitations. And so, you know, I, I think as with any big change or, or um, shifts in things, um, healthcare needs to be cautious as we move forward. Cause I, I really, I mean, vote with your feet and I'm here, I'm all in. I think this is, is the, uh, a way to really solve some problems that aren't solvable in the current system. Um, but again, I think, um, there's a lot to be learned and I think making it accessible and easy to all, obviously, if you look at the demographic of people that are interested in blockchain in general and web 3.0, they're not primarily in the elderly population. That's where right. the, where most health most healthcare problems come. Now, um, does that mean it, it can't help them? No, that doesn't mean that at all. It just means that um, your ability to interact with with uh, Web three and um, you know online information in general it varies. And so, I think that's a risk. Is it's it's currently it's it's not equitably available or of interest sure. to anyone. And so, I think it brings new. I mean, may get rid of certain problems that we have right now but um again not everybody's hip to the web 3.0 and so in, until they are it's not going to help them and so that's that's one of the risks that needs to be taken into mm -hmm. consideration yeah no i agree and it's i i think it's it's a big barrier um with you know crypto blockchain in general right i mean you look at the amount of people in decentralized finance versus you know uh centralized um or even compare that to the, um, you know, regular financial markets. Uh, it's so tiny, um, and, and and DeFi itself has done a pretty, you know, lackluster job of of bringing people in because it's hard to use and hard to figure out. But you know, so was uh, the internet in 1995 or even earlier, DARPA. You know, um, and it was a, a shamble. But eventually. Um, things caught up it became easier to use and, and you know who's not online grandma's on there like for sure um so it does evolve and it does change and it's got to start somewhere um for sure so yeah i mean i think i think it's good again that people need to be realistic about what things can do this is not a, I, I, and here's here's my honest opinion of the fact is um i think there will be a time where we will be amazed that we weren't using this technology mm -hmm. yeah how would i be able to do this without it's like you know somebody else used to control your information and you had to ask for permission to get it yeah you didn't know what the best treatments were or why someone was potentially giving you a certain medication like yeah that seems crazy well that's the way yeah. we're currently living in um and at the same time i think uh like you said the risks and benefits are the benefits just far outweigh the risks i mean yeah i just think it's uh, um it's something that will benefit everyone, but it, it's not a magic bullet. People still will get sick. People still will have terrible diagnoses that we don't know how to cure yet. But I think, um, you know, in my experience, when you're hit with those most challenging moments in health, which are terrible, but sadly, all of us will be there if we haven't already with our, our family or our friends or at some point ourselves. The biggest thing we want to know is that we've been given all the information and all the options that anybody else was given. That brings confidence. That brings peace. That's where we talk about wellness. I've met some people who have really crummy diseases that are really well off. They're well in my definition of wellness. 
Um, mm-hmm. And there's some people that are that are pretty healthy when it comes to medicine that are not well at all. And mm-hmm. and I think that's what we're trying to do at Galvin is is help. It may not be for everyone. Sadly, if I'm honest, I've met some patients where I ask them, "Hey, what medications you take?" I don't know. Um, yeah, they 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 don't really want to engage in their health and and I I would love to believe that. Um, will motivate them to do all the right things. I think that's unrealistic. But those who want to take ownership, those that want to have the information they need, those that are willing to at least seek um, something that can help motivate them to do the things that they they have the desire to do, that's where Web3, that's where Galvin comes into place, where we can give you some tools, give you some motivation, give you some information to actually take ownership for your health. And that's that's our goal, is to help people to own their health and get the information that they want in an objective way to house it in a way that's protected and safe. And so that you get to decide what it is so that when you go interact with the health system, you're, you're prepared to ask the right questions to get the input from your physician and, and others um, so that you're confident in the decision you're making. And that's, that's future state that I think is really exciting. Yeah, no, fair enough. And, and, you know, you mentioned those people who aren't necessarily immediately interested in their own health, that they don't know the medications they're on and, and I, I wonder uh, at times like that, it, I, I, I usually uh, surmise it down to kind of a skill problem, right? I mean, imagine they have access to that information. They can learn it. Uh, they get there. It's out to them. They're educated about it. And then with that comes care, comes the, mo- ex- the motivation that you can see externally. Um, so I think, you know, having that available for, you know, the common person is, uh, you know, and, and having that out and commonly referred to and accessible, um, you know, can help jumpstart even those people who might otherwise be resistant, especially if they're able to find it on their own or they hear about it, you know, and it's it's they discover it and it's not somebody pushing it on them, you know, for, um, you know, patients come to see me for an hour and, you know, it's like, you know, what what impact do I have really? Um, but if they, you know, they have access to that anytime they want and they know they can go and look, um, they're probably going to at least most of the time. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that, that's the hope. Um, I think there's, there's different people on different, um, ends of the spectrum of readiness to change, readiness sure. to adapt. Sure. Readiness to do yeah. We know that that's always, you know, that that's human nature. That's something mm-hmm. that always exists, but I think this is a new tool. Um, provides new opportunities and um, in a way that I, I really think can be beneficial to to anyone willing to take the plunge. And I and I think, you know, I, I will say as, a, as part of a shameless plug, you know, you know this, Shiloh, but we just came out with our light paper. And I think I'd yeah. love for people to go check it out. We'd love for people to tell us where we got it right and where we got it wrong. Um, sure. And I think, you know, our mission really is, as I mentioned, to, to help people to be healthier and to give them some tools they may have not have had in the past some motivation and information in a way that, that isn't isn't there and 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 um and and we're really excited about that and and i think that's um that's the beauty of this new technology and i think um uh we look forward to working with anybody that has that same mission and um and so i think uh we hope that uh, you and others will, will come join us and and, and help yeah. us get this right 
Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I, I did check out the light paper today. So yeah, I can recommend go go take a look. And uh, if you like what you see, you got some feedback. Of course, that's what, you know, uh, this is all about. This is what the blockchain is all about is uh, feedback, uh, working together, collaboration, um, you know, and, and so, yeah, I, I think it, it takes it takes a village. Yeah, for <laughs> you sure. know? Um, and yeah, I, I, I uh, it's interesting because you know often crypto gets associated with uh you know n a lot of negative uh, especially mental health things like uh depression anxiety um you know as well as uh you know even greed you know we got the fear and greed index index right um and so it's interesting to be seen it seeing it um being modified or um kind of tailored to a more health and wellness focused mission, um, the blockchain in general. So I think it shows us what it can really do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think back to what we mentioned a little bit earlier, like you said, you know, the blockchain doesn't get rid of greed. It doesn't get rid of uh, um, some of the things that in our inherent natural human being state um, uh, may present challenges for sure. <laughs> like if, if, if we're, uh, you know, addiction prone and all we do is sit and look yeah. at our assets, whether in traditional financial markets or crypto markets, the reality is, is that's unhealthy. That's unhealthy right. behavior. And, and certainly yeah. the appeal and the, and the um, ups and downs that are a little quicker in, in, uh, oh, yeah. in the blockchain uh, crypto world certainly can cause uh, some mental health and, and, and um, you know, stress on people. Uh, we speak of at, we're in a lull at the moment. It'll come oh, back. Yeah, yeah. We're all hodling, but um, but the reality of the matter is, is uh, again, that's back to being realistic about about what tools can do and what things can do. And I, I think there's um, there's pros and cons to everything, but I think when done right, the the, the pros far outweigh the cons when it comes to you know uh, health and wellness and 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 the tools the blockchain provides. Yeah, no, completely agree with you. So, um, yeah, it's been really awesome having you on this podcast and. Uh, yeah, like if people want to learn more about Galvin, where where should they head? Yeah, galvin.health. That's uh that's where we are. That's our website and you can join our Discord or our mail list or come join us and be part of our network. Um I'd love to have your input and we we hope to make this again uh, available and um and helpful to everybody. So, um look forward to to seeing you and and uh hearing your input. Yeah, great. And uh Always, if you have feedback about the podcast, you can uh, head over to the Elk Telegram, uh, and uh, that address is t.me slash elk underscore finance underscore chat. Uh, so feel free to head there um, or, you know, comment on our Twitter uh, or anything like that. Um, we're always welcoming feedback. So I hope today was, um, you know, really um, full of information for you. And there was some learning. I certainly learned some stuff and uh, it's always great to hear different perspectives. So I really appreciate having you on Adam. And, and it's, uh, I thought it was, it was, it was a great discussion. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me and uh, good luck with everything. Hopefully All right. Thanks so much.